0: Well, we've looked forward to this weekend for numerous reasons, as you might imagine. Our uh, son and daughter-in-love, we don't call her daughter-in-law, she's our daughter-in-love. Clay and Bethany Baird are with us this weekend. It's not often that he gets away in order to uh, come see his mom and dad. And uh, when he gets opportunity, we're just excited about it, and we're glad that he can hang around on Sunday and share a little bit with you and that you can participate in his journey. Many of you have known uh, Clay for many many years, and you've known Clay and Bethany because they spent some time with us here. Now, before I say all sorts of nice things about my son, I, I want to introduce to you his beautiful wife. Now we don't we had, we didn't do this last time, Bethany, but I want you to come here. Can you just come here? This is this is Bethany. Bethany is our is our beautiful daughter-in-law, and of course, we're proud of all of our children, and we've just embraced her as our adopted daughter now, but but I just want you to say hey to the people. You don't have to say a lot. I know. It's, it's in season or out of season, so just...
1: Well, we're really happy to be here. Hello to everyone. We miss you, and uh, it's great to be here.
0: Well, okay. <laughs> and we love you. I just wanted to show you off, okay? Is that okay that we can show you off for just a minute? All right. There you go. We love Bethany. And uh, she's definitely the better half, so... and, and but I, I, I'm proud of all of my children. I could go down the line and uh, talk about my kids. Just like if you have kids, you can talk about your kids. I mean, we all ought to be able to talk about our kids. And and, and they may not be perfect, and certainly mine have not been absolutely perfect through the years, but they, uh, they have certainly uh, aspired and reached out and loved the Lord, and, and we're just so proud of all of them. But this morning is my opportunity just to share a little bit about Clay. Clay, As you know, uh, grew up in a pastor's house. He was able to spend a year in an upstate college and then went to Hillsong uh, Leadership College in Sydney, Australia. Spent about two and a half years there, I believe, at Hillsong College. Originally went, I I believe his heart was full, and he still loves to worship, but I think it was to train as a worship leader, and then the Lord began to just work on him a little bit. He came back to us for approximately a year, got married to Bethany. We were able to participate in that, and then a great door opened up for him, them both, in uh, Gainesville, Georgia, to participate with Pastor Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel, and God has favored him there and has lifted him up from just sort of being sort of on staff to a staff person. To Now where he oversees all the student ministries that go on at at free chapel, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people running around that campus and uh, to run him down is really an act of God. We need the Holy Spirit's help to catch up with him. But uh, he always calls us back, and it's always a joy to talk to him, and we're so proud of him, and uh, we're just encouraged about what God is doing in his life. And we do this for everyone, and so let us do that for Pastor Clay as well. Let's stand and let's honor him as he comes to share the Word of God with us. Pastor Clayton Baird. God bless you, son.
1: Well, praise God. How's everyone doing this morning? We good? You may be seated. Thank you for that warm welcome. I know Bethany and myself. We are absolutely thrilled to be here in Charleston once again. I'm thankful that the rain has held off and that we were able to have a good weekend uh, hanging out with our folks and just having a good time. Um, as your pastor just said, um, we have uh, recently uh, had some some new things uh, created at Gainesville at Free Chapel, and um, we've been doing student ministry for a few years. And here in the uh, the recent months, uh, Pastor Franklin has um, asked us to now help oversee all of the production side of what takes place at Free Chapel, so what you see on Sunday mornings, uh, much of that comes through our desk now, and so God is doing some really great stuff, and all the promotion comes from the Lord, we know that, and so we're, uh, we're really thankful, and we feel like we're in a great place, a great healthy place, and God is doing great things. We hear God is doing fantastic stuff right here at Legacy, amen, do you believe it? And um, so he's powerful and he's moving all over the world and we're happy as you are to be a part of what God's building. He's building the church. If you have your word, go ahead and pull it out. We're going to go to the book of Matthew this morning. But, um, you know, I'm excited to speak. I, I, as, as dad just said, you know, my, my first love and passion was obviously leading worship and being involved in creative arts. But here in the last year and a half, the Lord has really just elevated me to where now I'm passionate about preaching the word. I just get excited about opening up the word of God. And sharing with people. And so have the opportunity to do that a lot now. And it has become my new favorite. So um, I, I absolutely love it. And I think about, you know, I think about preaching the word. I think about being in the house of God and what it's, what it's all about. And I believe that being inside of the house of God is so that our lives can be transformed. Amen. And the word of God tells us that we're not to be conformed anymore to the world, but we are transformed by what the renewing of our minds. And so we come into the house of God and that's what we're longing to do. Every time we walk through the doors. God, renew my mind. Help me learn more about you, more about your son, Jesus. How can I be transformed into your ever-increasing likeness, as it says in 2 Corinthians? And how do we become transformed into the likeness of God? It says with unveiled faces. And so this morning, what we need to understand, if we're going to receive anything, that's going to come out of his word this morning is we need to take the mask off. We need to get ourselves unhidden, unveiled, unmasked, and let God see the real me. I'm not going to come into the house of God with a wall up, with a mask on, hoping to disguise the areas of sin and selfishness and and all that junk that's in my life. But no, this morning I'm going to choose to take it off, bear myself before God and say, Lord, transform me. Is there anyone here this morning that can say, God, I want to be transformed? into your likeness. I sure hope so. And I believe he's going to speak. He never fails. He never falters. But this morning, his word is going to be powerful in our life. And here we are this morning in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 13. Very familiar passage, I'm sure. And it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Then he replied Or Then some replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, maybe Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, for so this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you the truth, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This morning, if you are taking notes, which I sure hope you're writing down, and letting the Lord speak to you, I've entitled this message this morning, The Confessional. Look at your neighbor and say, the confessional can we pray and bow our heads before we get into it this morning? God, we love you. We thank you for the the word, Lord, that it is life to the driest places of our soul and our spirit, God. It can enhance us, Lord. It can refresh us, refill us. And God, this morning, I pray that we're not just hearers of the word. I pray that we're doers of the word, God, that we take your living, breathing breath from heaven, God. We lock it deep down inside of our heart that we might not sin against you, but that we're going to live to our fullest potential inside of Jesus Christ, and this morning we focus our attention on you. We want to catch a revelation and something powerful, something straight from you, straight to our life, God. We put our trust in you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever in life had something revealed to you Something where you perceived it to be a certain way, and once you got involved, you quickly found out that your perceptions were not correct. And you caught a quick revelation, you caught a quick understanding of something that you were in the middle of. You know, it was back in the summer of 2004. I had, a, I had just finished my freshman year of college at Anderson, and um, I was looking at what I was going to do that summer. And all year long, myself and my roommates, obviously we had a close relationship being in the dorms together, and they all year were talking about this camp that they participated in during the summer. It was a camp in the upstate of South Carolina. I'm not going to mention any names in case anyone knows about this camp, but it was in the upstate of the Carolinas, and they talked about how every summer for the last three, four years, they were counselors at this camp. Clay, this camp is amazing. You have got to come and be a counselor at this camp with us, man. It is the best thing ever. We have the most fun, man. We, we build bonfires. We play on the leg, man. It is intense, man. It was an all boys camp. You are going to love it, Clay. You need to be a counselor at this camp. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I guess. Yes. I mean, you guys are going on and on about this thing. You've got to come, Clay. I'm thinking, all right, you know, where do I sign up? Give me the application, you know? And they are blowing this camp up all year long. I sign the application. I fill it out. I get accepted to be a counselor. We start driving up at the beginning of the summer, going up to this camp. It's going to be weeks and weeks at this camp. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. We are so excited and we roll up on this camp. I get out of the door and I quickly realize this is not the camp that I have been hearing about for the last year okay, this place is messed up, all right? And I get there. And let me just tell you a little bit about this camp. Before we go into this story, you need to understand one thing about me. I am deathly afraid of snakes. I hate snakes. Snakes are the spawn of Satan. That's what they are, okay? I absolutely cannot stand them. First day on the campsite, I run into four snakes. Count them, four, folks. This is not good this is not going to work for me. And, um, you know, we're learning about the camp couple, the first couple days is kind of like orientation. They're telling you about what you have to do as a counselor. One of the things they said is many of the students will choose to go on the nature trail hikes. That's something that the young boys enjoy doing is going through the trails. And if you are to come up on a snake that's in the path, you as the counselor must go take a stick, take a broom, whatever you got and move the snake off the path. Okay. Okay, heck no, that is not going to, I will sacrifice little Johnny before I ever, ever get to that snake. So I'm thinking this is not right. Okay. On top of that, the food at this camp was, um, less, less than to be desired. Okay. It was not, it was not good, but even more than that, I'm walking around the cabins are they're damp, they're nasty. And I'm just looking at this whole situation saying, this is not good. I walk into the showers Now, the showers, I walk in and it's a big, giant room with just multiple shower heads and no dividers anywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, my idea of a good weekend is not getting in the buff with 10 other guys. You know, that's not my idea of fun. So I'm looking at this whole scenario going, this is not good. This is not good at all. And I quickly got a revelation that this was not what I had perceived. Okay. I lasted two weeks at the camp and I met with the the head guy and I said, listen, man, this ain't going to work out. Okay. You know, sometimes in life you have those, those things come around where they're not what you had perceived, you know, marriage, for instance, marriage could guys, and don't say anything right here, but marriage can be one of those things where you had perceived it to be one way and you get in it and it's a little bit different. Then what you had, what you had expected and some things are being opened up to you not only about your spouse, but maybe about you as well. And all of a sudden you get yourself in the middle of these scenarios and you're catching an understanding, you're catching a revelation. And I believe this is that revelation, when it comes inside of our world, it will not only reveal something to you about something else or someone else, but it will simultaneously reveal something to you about you. That's what revelation should always do inside of our life. And when it comes to catching a revelation of something in our eyes, being open to the truth and our relationship with Jesus Christ, I believe it's the same. Simultaneously, it should also be revealing something to you about you. That's what God does in this relationship back and forth. It reveals something to us about ourselves. We get deeper and deeper into this relationship with Christ and we're catching more and more revelation. How am I to live? What's the next step? It's going to show you the sin issues that are still inside of your life and the selfishness that still needs to be broken up inside of your world. It will begin to do all of that as we go deeper deeper into a relationship with him. And in this passage of Matthew chapter 16, one of the greatest moments of revelation is taking place inside of the whole word of God, inside of the whole Bible. Something is revealed to Peter that none of the other disciples have ever caught before. He's receiving brand new revelation. Look at it again in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus and the disciples are hanging out and he comes and he talks to them and and he brings up this question. Guys, listen, we've had a we've had a few good runs now. We've been hanging out for a few years, but but who are people saying that I am? What's the word around town? What are people saying about me? And a couple of the guys are like, "Uh, you know, I'm one of the prophets, uh Jeremiah, what was it, Elijah, uh, you know, a couple of people saying this and that. No one's really too sure." And all of a sudden, Peter opens his mouth and he says, "I know who you are." You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks him back right in the face and he says, blessed are you, Peter, for you didn't hear about that from any man, but it was my father that spoke to you. And on you, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to do great and mighty things inside of your life. You see, not only does Peter catch a new revelation about who Jesus is at that moment, but Peter catches a new revelation about who he is and what he's called to do on the earth. It's amazing how God shows up like that it's amazing you see transformation was taking place right here in the middle of this interaction you don't believe it you need to underline this right now check this out watch this transformation in verse 17 in verse 17 jesus looks at peter and he he calls him simon He looks at him and he calls him Simon. He says, blessed are you, Simon. But in the very next verse, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. You know, son, I know they've been calling you Simon for a long time now. I know that's what they've been referring to you as. But listen, I'm here to tell you today that you are Peter. You are my rock. And I will build my church on your back. And the gates of hell don't even stand a chance. What we need to understand is, check this out. The word Simon means to hear. The word Peter means rock. You see, he had to hear hear the voice before he was ever going to figure out what he was called to do. Simon had to hear from the father clearly before Jesus was ever even able to look at him and say, you are Peter. You're not Simon. You're not just some guy walking around here. I'm giving you a new name. Your name is Peter and you're called to do great and mighty things. It was almost like Jesus looked at him and said, now that you know who I am, I'm fixing to tell you who you are. And what we need to understand here at Legacy is that when we start to get a new revelation of Jesus Christ, there's going to be some name changes taking place up in here. Oh, I know they've been calling you mistake for a while now, but you are called found. You are called purpose. Oh, I know they've been calling you rejected for a few months. Now you are not rejected. You are accepted inside of my kingdom. Amen. There's some name changes that start taking place when we get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, I know they've been calling you not worthy, not able. No, you are made righteous through Jesus Christ. Name changes take place when we get into a relationship and an understanding of Jesus Christ, you are never loved and accepted because of your worth. You're accepted because of your birth. Your worth has nothing to do with it. Your worth couldn't get you anywhere in the kingdom of God. Couldn't get you in the front gates of heaven. But your birth and your revelation and your understanding and acknowledgement of Jesus Christ will get you the keys to the kingdom. It'll get you the plans. It'll get you the purpose. It'll get you every last bit of the destiny that all of us are looking for. Our worth does nothing but our birth can do amazing things inside of the kingdom of God. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans that I have. And they're plans to give you an amazing future, to give you a hope. That's what we need to realize. And there's so many people on earth who go through life And they want to desperately know, what am I called to do? What is my destiny? I feel like I'm walking around aimlessly and I need some clear direction. What we've got to catch an understanding of is what you are called to do, what your destiny is and what your purpose is will only ever be revealed to you after you first catch a revelation of who Jesus is. Never vice versa. We've got to catch our revelation of Jesus before we'll ever understand anything about ourselves. You've got to know the transformer before you can ever be transformed. And Peter caught a revelation first of Jesus Christ, and then he caught a revelation of who he was, the rock called to build the church of Jesus. And we need to understand in this passage of Matthew chapter 16, it's very interesting when you get into the word and you start doing a little homework and you start doing a little reading and a little studying because it was necessary for the disciples to catch a true glimpse of Jesus right here, right now. Couldn't have happened a couple weeks later. It had to happen right now. And it's interesting because Jesus asked them the question, but what you need to do is you need to read further because in the passages that immediately follow Matthew chapter 16, Jesus begins to predict his death he begins to tell the disciples, listen, the end is coming and it's drawing near. Time was of the essence. It had to be right now. And Jesus needed to know that these 12 men have beyond a shadow of a doubt. They know who I am because chances are, if they just think I'm, I'm some cool kind of prophet, just like the other guys, maybe, maybe this whole journey of me might go a little bit further than Jerusalem, but if these men could catch an understanding and a revelation that they've spent the last three years with the son of God. They will understand the urgency of taking the message to the far corners of the earth. He's not just some cool guy that can do miracles. This was God's son that we've been hanging out with. And if they can understand that, then they'll understand this is important. We got to tell the world about this man. We have to tell the world about his journeys, about the miracles that we've seen. It was urgent. It had to take place right now. And so Peter is the one who speaks up and he tells Jesus who he really is. And, you know, Peter didn't always get it right. You know, there was that time cut that dude's ear off, you know, Jesus called called him Satan another time. You know, he didn't always get it right, but thank God he spoke up and said something. Thank the Lord that he said something. And what we need to understand in our life is when you're about to go through trials, just like Jesus was, and you're about to go through adversity and hard, difficult times, I pray to God that we have not surrounded ourselves with silent people. Silent people will make the adversity hard. But if we can surround ourselves with people that are going to be full of faith, full of a a revelation of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden when we're about to go into a difficult time, they're going to be able to raise up right next to us and say, listen, I can see what's happening in your world. I can see what's happening in your circumstance right now. And I'm here to tell you, I've caught a revelation of Jesus. I know who he is. And this thing ain't over. It's just getting started. It's not the end of the road. God is not done with you, but you have an amazing purpose, an amazing future, and it's right in front of you. It is not over. The enemy is not going to come up in here and mess with these plans because I know who Jesus Christ is. He is the healer. He's the restorer. He's the redeemer. He's the beginning of this thing and the end of it all. Amen. I pray that we have not surrounded ourselves with silent people. Adversity in our life needs us to have people around us that are going to open their mouth and speak revelation of who they know Jesus to be. Silent people will make it difficult. They will make it hard. We need to take a good look at the people in our world. Understand first the the destiny that we want to achieve and what we feel like God is calling us to do and then take a quick snapshot of who you got around you. Are these people going to get me there? Because if they're going to speak death or not even speak anything at all, I need to get myself some new friends. Because adversity and trials will come. Who do you have standing around you? Who is it? I hope it's life speakers. I hope it's people that are opening their mouth and speaking fresh revelation that they're getting from the Father. And Peter heard the voice. And the Bible says flesh and blood didn't reveal it to him, but the Father in heaven was the one who spoke. And because he heard it right, he spoke it right. Because he heard it right, he spoke it right. Do you ever, uh, have you ever been around someone who maybe has a navigational system in their car? Or maybe you have one you know yourself and... Um, it, they're you know, obviously they're super, super great to have. And, you know, if you've ever been around one, you know, you turn it on and it gives you the directions and all of a sudden you're driving down the road and, and you know, the girl's voice comes over the thing, you know, in 500 yards, turn left, you know? And so, you know, you turn and, and you do the whole deal. Have you ever noticed this though? That sometimes you're driving down the road and it gets a little messed up, it gets behind. And as it's saying, turn right, you're passing the right turn and you're like, oh, great, you know? Now it can always reroute you. It can always get you back around. It's going to take a little while. It's going to take you through the bad part of town. You know, you're going to be like, lock your doors. You know, I don't know. It's going to get you back to where you need to go, but it's going to take a little longer. And what I've come to realize inside of our life following Christ, many times God only speaks when it's time to take a turn. He only speaks sometimes when it's time to take a turn when it's time to go a new way, when it's time to get a fresh revelation, go a new direction. And if we are not ready, if we're not prepared behind the wheel of our lives, expecting, if we're not leaning our ear towards heaven, receiving that day to day communication with the father, then when he says turn, there could be a good chance we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the opportunity. We're going to miss the new way, the new direction that he had planned to take us. Now, oh, he can always reroute us. He can always get us back. It's going to take a little longer. It might be a little bit more difficult at times. You might be a little bit more confused at times. He can always get us back, but wouldn't it have been better if we would have just been ready the first time? Can I suggest this morning that we all of us Learn what it means to renew our mind, to point our ear towards heaven on a daily basis, to hear from the father. That way, when the voice calls out, it's not some strange thing that we have to sit around for a couple of weeks and And was that God? Was that him? I don't know. I've never really heard him before. You know, no, we're going to be trained. We're going to know. And when the father says, turn, we're going to turn. When he says, get this new revelation, got it. When he says, go this new way, going to do it. That's where we find ourselves if we're training our ear to hear what heaven is saying. And when we hear it right, we'll speak it right and we'll do it right. John chapter 10 verse 4 says, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep follow because they know his voice. If you're taking notes, write this down. We do not simply grow in God because we just have knowledge of the word. We grow in the Lord because we know the voice. There's many, many people who have knowledge of the word and they stay stagnant. Why? Because they don't know the voice. But if we can have both, if we can know his word, know what this manual says about our life, and at the same time lean our ear towards heaven, when he speaks, we're going to hear it clearly and we're going to do it right. Amen? That's where we need to find ourselves. You got to hear it right if you want to do it right. I don't mean to be in any way, uh, you know, coming from a, a bad place right now or trying to be make fun or be funny. But if you've ever been around deaf people, then you've noticed that they do not speak correctly. They speak a little, a little off, a little weird at times. Why is that? It's because over the years, as their hearing has become more and more impaired, they don't hear pronunciation correctly, therefore they do not speak it correctly. And what's coming out of their mouth sounds a little awkward. It sounds a little difficult to understand at times. Listen, if you get yourself away from the Father, if you get your ear away from heaven and you're not hearing what He's saying to you anymore, it's gonna start to sound real weird coming out. It's gonna start to look real, really weird really weird as you go through life and you continue on your journey. Why is it? It looks strange. And people are looking at you saying they're claiming Christ, but man, it doesn't sound right. It just looks weird. And and their life isn't matching up with what they're claiming. Why sometimes is because that person has gotten themselves away from the voice and because they can no longer hear the correct pronunciation. It just looks awkward on this side of things. It just looks weird. Train your ear to hear from the father. Train it. We've got to be right in the middle of what he's doing. How come we can't hear clearly? Why does our life look messed up at times? Well, maybe it's because you can't hear the voice of the Father because your lifestyle is a little too loud. Maybe it's a little too loud sometimes. Maybe you have an over excessive amount of hobbies that are cluttering up your world. You can't hear the voice too clearly right now. Can we get real this morning in church? A lot of people live awkward and they never hear the voice because they don't even find themselves in the field that often. And yeah, we're talking about the four walls of the church. And your life is jacked up, messed up in chaos. It's absolutely falling apart. And you're sitting around, man, what is going on? I can't figure this thing out. Does God not care about my situation? I can't hear from the shepherd. Well, maybe it's because you're not in the field. The very place that he said he would build his church and that his voice would be heard and he would speak clear direction to our lives. But yet the once a monthers come and they're always needing another meeting and they're always needing another counseling session. Oh, pastor, I don't know what to do. Can you sit down and talk with me? No, you just need to get yourself in the field and let the shepherd speak and do what he's called us to do. And so many times, people and students especially, they sit down with me. Pastor Clay, I'm having a hard time. And I just, you know, this and this and this. And Can you meet with me? And, and can, can we sit down maybe this week in your office and talk? The first thing I do is I open up their attendance record. I'm not lying. I pull it up and I look. I say, oh, hasn't been here in five weeks. Uh, nope, not going to meet. Come to church. Click. That's what it needs to be sometimes. Get yourself in the atmosphere that you can hear the voice. Calm your lifestyle down. Get yourself positioned so that you can hear what God wants to say to you. You know, this morning, this point has become real in my life. It's become very real. And I caught a revelation of this a number of weeks ago, talking about hearing the voice, catching a revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, so many times as a pastor... Um, of, the, of the gospel. You know, you look at others and, and you see what they're doing. And so, so many of our prayers are all summed up by God, man, I just want to be a better preacher. I just want to be a better preacher, a better, a better teacher. I want to be more creative. I want to be a better worship leader. God, I want to be a better communicator of the gospel. And I'll never forget. God arrested my heart one day and he said, Clay, you don't need to be a better preacher. You need to be a better listener because if you hear it right, you'll speak it right. If you do it right, or if you hear it right, you'll do it right. Get yourself back to being a better listener. So many preachers go through life. I just need to be a better preacher. I need to be a better preacher. So we work and we work and we work and we study and we study and we study. And, we study and meanwhile, we're never hearing the voice. And yeah, you're going to work twice as hard, three times as hard as if you would, if you would just lean your ear towards heaven and start to hear the voice of the father. It becomes very easy. Don't miss out on what he has to say to us. Just hear it right and then start doing it right. Your preaching supports your hearing. Your witnessing supports your hearing. Your communication to your co-workers, family, and friends about the gospel, about Jesus Christ supports your hearing. All of it. Are we hearing correctly? Are we hearing right? I always get asked, especially by you know, young students and stuff. Pastor Clay, why do more Christians not tell people about Jesus? How come I go to school and no one, you know, is talking about Jesus, but yet everyone says they go to church and they're trying to put this puzzle together. Why don't people tell people about Jesus? And I look back at them and I say, well, it's because most Christians don't even know who he is. Most Christians don't have an understanding yet. They don't have a clear revelation because you see what happens when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when we have that relationship, when we give ourselves over to him and his plan and his will for our lives, the Bible said he takes our heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. He gives us a brand new heart. What God does not do is he does not give you a brand new mind. God doesn't give you a brand new mind. He opens up the book of Romans and he says, renew your own mind, renew it. And people don't have an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. It doesn't mean they're not saved. You might fully be saved, but the reason they can't tell anybody about who Jesus is and all his attributes and what he's going to do in your life and what he's going to accomplish in this world is because nobody renews their mind. Nobody trains their mind to be in the word and to hear from heaven. And because no one is doing that, no one's receiving new revelation from Jesus. Doesn't mean they're not saved. Doesn't mean they're not a good person, but they can't effectively communicate the gospel because they're not receiving revelation from the father. And they can't open their mouth and speak it right. And I hate to see Christians living underwhelmed of their knowledge of Jesus and they don't fully understand who he is. I was at a a conference a few months ago in Dallas, Texas and Bishop T.D. Jakes was speaking and he said something that I absolutely loved and I wrote it down. He said, for many people inside of the church, you won't need heaven until you start living hell. You won't need heaven until you start living hell. And the sad part about it is there's a generation of students and young adults and adults alike who are rising up and they have no revelation and understanding of God and therefore they feel no need for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, until you start living hell. And then all of a sudden, the world goes down and they start living in absolute chaos. And so they're, they're scraping together every bit of the Bible. They're trying to get the Cliff Notes version. They're talking to everyone they can and it's not really working out. And they're, they're trying to get as much as they can in a little bit of amount of time. And I don't know where God is. He just, that he just Does he not care about me? Does God not love me? Does he not see me in this situation? Ha, has God abandoned me? No, God never abandoned you. You just want heaven when you started living hell. doesn't make a lot of sense does it? But yes, so many people live that way. So many people choose to live their life that way. And we have got to understand our generation must come to an understanding of if you want to figure out what you are meant to do what's the plan for your life? Where are you supposed to be positioning yourself in this journey with Christ? Am I in the right place? Am I doing what he's called me to do? Why do I feel so unfulfilled? Why do I not have joy in my life? If you're needing answers to the hard questions of life, you need to start to say, am I training my ear to hear the voice? Because if you're not hearing it correctly, chances are you're not doing it correctly and it's going to continue to be weird, and it's going to continue to come out awkward, you've got to train your ear to get back to the Father. And Peter heard the voice of God, and he opened his mouth, and he spoke truth. He spoke it when no one else could speak it. Please understand this. God builds his church on the backs of men and women who know how to hear his voice. God builds the church. He looked at Peter, and he says, I'm going to build my church on you. Why, why not the other guys? It's because Peter heard the voice. And if you can hear it right, son, I know you can do it right, so I'm going to give it to you. That's where we need to find ourselves. And this can be very frustrating for us at times, can it? Because. We want to know all the plans right now. I want to figure it out. God, I, I need to know what you got. You know, I'm tired of playing this guessing game, this waiting game. I want to know right now. But understand this. God speaks in vagueness. God speaks vague. Why does he do that, Pastor Clay? It's because it keeps us dependent. It keeps us listening. If he gave us the whole kitten caboodle, we'd be off and we'd be running with it and we'd screw it up. But he keeps it vague so that we're always having to come back. My ear can't get away because as soon as I get away, I'm lost. I've got to stay connected, I've got to stay plugged in, leaning towards heaven, hearing the voice of the Father. And when we finally are able to hear the voice of God, we're able to not only get an understanding of who He is, but we are getting an understanding of who we are made to be. Who I am made to be. You know, I've come to the point in my life where I'm going to stop wishing. That I'm, you know, I can do something great. I'm going to stop hoping that I'm going to do something, you know, big in the kingdom of God. I'm going to stop thinking that maybe this can work out and I can be used. No, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to start to lean my ear towards heaven, get an understanding of God the Father, get a new revelation, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to start to know that He has big things for my life. I'm going to start to know and have a certainty that yes, God is working through me. Isaiah 61. That I am, I'm, I'm going to lead the lost out of darkness. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's going to do great in my Things in me. I'm going to start to know it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not hoping about it. I'm not wishing about it. No, I'm going to rise up, take my place in the kingdom of God, lean my ear towards the Father, hear the voice, and speak it right and do it right. That's where we need to be at. I'm not going to spend another 10 years thinking, man, I really think this could be it. No, why not just get involved in what God's doing? Why not be a part of building the church and start to have the certainty and know that He's doing great things in me? He's using me to reach. A multitude of people. And the reason we know who we are in Christ is because we're made in his image. And once we can understand the original copy, we can then understand what the reflection needs to look like, us. We get ourselves in Christ, we understand the original, then we can understand the reflection. But if we never catch a revelation of the full original copy, then we only look half right. We only look about half right. Well, what's the full original version of Jesus Christ? I believe it can be found in Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, everyone say now. The life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. As Christians, I think you can't even be, this is, this is a strong statement. I don't even believe you can be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you go through the gate of Galatians 2.20. If you don't understand it, if you don't apply it, if you don't get yourself through the gate of Galatians 2.20 into the now life, you're, you're, you're as good as gone. Because as a Christian, we had been living life one way. We've been kind of doing it right. But there must come a point where you hit the now. And once you hit the now, all of a sudden, it's not me anymore. I'm dead. I I died at the now. My funeral happened at the now. And all of a sudden, I'm moving forward inside of Christ. And when Christ is living inside of us, we're catching a full revelation of the full copy. I'm not just getting little bits and pieces here and there. I'm catching the full counsel of God if I'm truly walking inside of a life with Christ and I'm dead to myself. And as followers of Christ, we live inside of the now life and we know the full counsel of God because Christ is living in us. Can I give you an example of what it looks like to not be in the full counsel of God? And this is happening. I don't know if you've noticed it. I've definitely noticed it working with young people, particularly college. Students is that there's a movement sweeping across America, and it's kind of getting me stirred up right now, but there's a movement that's happening, and what people are doing, what young people are beginning to do, and, and churches that are, that are being planted and, and growing up and stuff, is what they're doing is they're substituting righteousness and holiness for justice and love. Did you catch that? Substituting righteousness and holiness for justice and love. What does that mean, Pastor Clay? It means this. It means we got young people and college students living like hell during the week, doing whatever their heart desires. But you feed the poor on Saturday and you feel like you're accomplishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because righteousness and holiness has no place, but we are embracing justice and love. And that's happening. And it's frustrating as, a, as someone who ministers to students because we've got to understand that is not the full counsel of God. Yes, justice and love are a big deal. Praise God that we have students who want to go down to soup kitchens and, and help the poor and, and do things for missions overseas. I'm thankful and glad for that. But we need to be mindful of 2 Timothy chapter 2 when Paul looks and he says, you need to flee the evil desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You need to pursue them all. You can't leave any out. How does that happen? How does that happen inside of our culture? It's because students are getting themselves away from hearing the voice and understanding the full image and they're only getting bits and pieces of the image of God. And because they're only getting bits and pieces, they're only walking in bits and pieces. But if we can be trained every single day, I'm going to be in the full council. I'm going to be right in the thick of what Jesus Christ is doing. Then you're not going to get it wrong. You'll know it. Put yourself in the atmosphere that God is speaking. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives. Christ lives in me. We are found in Christ. Listen, the place of intimacy with God is in Christ. You want to have intimacy with the Father? Get yourself, get your life in the midst of what Christ is all about. Here's another thing that I've understood coming up in church, especially in our types of circles that are spirit-filled, is that we have a lot of churchgoers that love to have intimacy with God, but nobody wants to get pregnant. We love to have intimacy with God, but no one wants to get pregnant. Intimacy equals reproduction. That's what happens. But yet we love to come in to the house of God, we lift our hands, we, we like close our eyes really tight because that must mean I'm really holy. And so we're worshiping God and, and we're going for it. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're singing our songs and all oh, pastor that message really spoke to my life. But then we leave and we go out and we never reproduce that in anybody else around us. We never reach out. We never spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's happening is, pardon me a little bit, but we got Christians addicted to the spiritual morning after pill. And that's what's happening inside of our churches. And we come in on a Sunday and we love on Jesus and we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit and God is doing an amazing thing in my life. But then all of a sudden, Sunday night and Monday morning, we pop our spiritual morning after pill and we go to work and our coworkers will never know the difference. And we absolutely quench and stop everything that God is doing inside of us. The growth stops. The reproduction stops. And what the intimacy was meant to do, you absolutely stifle because it never gets to anyone else. We love it. But intimacy should equal reproduction. That's what it's all about. Reproducing ourselves and those that are around us. Reproducing what God is doing in us. Sharing it with everyone that is in our spheres of life. Here's what you need to write down. Hearing the voice. When you hear the voice, you catch the revelation. When you catch the revelation of Jesus, that's when you'll begin to have intimacy with him. And inside of that, intimacy should equal reproduction. Therefore, every time you ever hear the voice of God, it should always lead to more souls. Every time, every time, oh man, I really, I really heard the Lord on this one. Well, does it equal advancing the kingdom of God and more souls? Because if it doesn't, then I would say recheck that. Hearing the voice always leads to more souls. It's the heart of God, the heart of Jesus Christ. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. So what happens, let me, let me break it down for you. What happens then, since that's the heart of God, when we come together in a worship environment like Legacy on a Sunday morning and we lift our hands and we worship with God, what worship is doing is it's that moment of intimacy where your heart is connecting with the heart of God. That's what's taking place right then. So therefore, if you are able to leave on a Sunday morning and your heart not be broken for lost and hurting people, then something is wrong. Because God's heart is for lost and hurting people. And so if you've connected with him and you've heard that voice, it should always lead to reproduction. It should always lead to bringing more souls in. We pull them in. We pull them in from the streets. We pull them into our workplace. We pull so the house will be full. We pull and we reproduce ourselves and those around us. That's what revelation does. That's what hearing the voice of God does. It leads to more souls. And that is what Jesus Christ, after all my studying and looking into this passage, that is what Jesus was searching for inside of his question in Matthew chapter 16. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because Jesus knew that if just one of them could hear from the Father and get a revelation of who he was, that they would understand the urgency of going out and reaching more souls because hearing the voice always leads to more souls. And that's what Jesus needed to know. Someone has got to hear from the Father. Someone has got to hear this thing because I cannot go to this cross. I cannot bear this burden if none of you are going to end up having a revelation of me. I need someone to speak up. I need someone to open their mouth and speak fresh revelation. I need it right now. You've got to understand this, guys. Come on, one of you, one of you open your mouth and finally Peter does. Praise God. Hearing the voice, receiving revelation should always lead to us being more passionate, should always lead to us being more diligent in spreading the gospel. You know, this morning as we're about to wrap it up and we're about to go out of this place, I want us to look once again at the passage of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to end right where we started. It says, when Jesus came of Philippi. Who do men say that I am? He asked. And they throw out some answers. Simon Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then he gives Peter his calling and his destiny. You're the rock man. I'm going to do great things in your life. You're going to build my church. But what I want us to notice this morning that maybe you've never looked at before is that after Jesus Christ asked the question, Peter was the only one who said anything of sustenance. Yeah a couple of the other guys threw out a little hey maybe maybe a little this maybe you're this maybe you're that but no one was really certain until so Peter opened his mouth which means that there were 11 men who really had nothing to say 11 men we're not talking about randoms here, folks. We're talking about disciples of Christ. They have walked with him for years now. They've seen the teachings. They've seen the miracles with their own eyes. They know they've had a relationship with this man. And yet when the question was asked, none of them, 11 guys, not one, had anything to say about who that man was. And my greatest fear for our generation of students and adults who are inside of the church today is that we sit inside of Sunday morning and when Wednesday services and we hear the teachings of Jesus, we're seeing the miracle of salvation happening all around us all the time, seeing lives changed and transformed. But yet when it's all said and done and the question is asked to you, there will be some who don't have anything to say. They don't have anything to say about Jesus Christ, even though they've sat right in the middle of where he was. Why? It's because they never bothered to lean their ear towards heaven and get a revelation of who he was. And they're going to end up being quiet on the issue. I, well, uh, who is Jesus? Uh, I mean, he's, uh, let me see, uh, a couple of weeks ago the pastor said something about, uh, you know, and, and they don't know. They don't know. Which is why myself and, and my wife, we work all week long inside of our local church to pour in new revelation. Whatever I got to do, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove it down kids' throats. You're never going to come into one of my youth services and not hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ, that there was a man named Jesus who, yes, he was fully God and fully man, and he came and died for your sins. Why is that so important? Because students must hear so that they can have an answer. They've must, but none of us are subject to that. We all have to have an answer. The cross of Jesus Christ demands a response. It demands it. The cross that we come and we worship at, it looks really nice these days, doesn't it? When we, when we make it shiny and nice. No, the cross is the most ugly thing that was ever built in this entire world. You know, it exemplifies God's ultimate, ultimate like judgment on mankind, but at the same time, it was the ultimate act of love. And the cross takes in all of it. God, God, the Bible says, willingly murdered his son for the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. What does that mean? It means God, Jesus, jumped up on a cross thousands of years ago laid down his life willingly for all mankind, took on the burdens of sin and shame. Why? So that now when we are inside of church services and someone says, yes, I've received a revelation of Jesus and I want to give my life to him for that joy that he experiences for that one life. That's why he endured a cross. And this morning we have to understand that that cross demands a response from all of us. It demands a response, but you will only ever respond correctly if you've heard the voice. If you've heard what God has done for us and what he's going to do in your life, you desperately need to know what the next step is. What am I called to do? You need to hear the voice because you're never going to figure it out until you first catch a revelation of who Jesus is. Can we bow our heads this morning?